wow, you guys look great. I don't know how, I don't know if you know how great you look this morning, but could you turn to someone around you and say, good morning, and say to them, you look awesome. Could you say that to them right now? That you look absolutely awesome. If you don't know them, perfect opportunity to grab a date if you're single, right? This is perfect. God's will, you're in church. How better could it be, right? Hey, we're thankful that you're here. Uh, So glad for you guys to join us through Church at Home, wherever you are today. We're glad that you've joined us also. We're going to have a great day today. So let's grab our Bibles, our devices. Let's turn to the book of Colossians this morning. The book of Colossians, and today chapter 2, and we start with verse 6 in just a moment. Now, for today, or last week day and next Sunday morning, that we have a non-series groups of teachings for you. So that means we're not in series yet. What it means? Non-series makes sense, right? And so, and then the Sunday after, we will start a series for our springtime call actually living stones. And it's taken from the book of First Peter. It's going to be a powerful talk about us coming back together after this whole crazy year of all the COVID stuff. And, and say, Mark, are you announcing that it's over? That's not what I'm saying at all. So don't like post that online or anything. That's not it. I'm not qualified to make those statements. But yet as we come back together as a church that what is our call that we are living stones is what we find through the book of First Peter. So we're going to talk about that not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. But today I want to talk to you about a subject called enough. It's enough. Say, Mark, I've had enough. This is a great day for me to be here because I've just had enough with everything, right? That's not what this is about. No, that's not, that's, that's not about you having enough wearing a mask or not having enough standing in line six foot apart or not having enough going to a restaurant and they have distance seating and you can't get in, not having enough in all those areas of our life right now. No, no, this is about something completely different than that that we find in the book of Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 6. So let's get right into our study together this morning. So Colossians 2 verse 6 says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So we realize when you read the writings of Paul, then what we have to, we have to answer two questions first of all. One, who's he speaking to and the culture in which he's writing in? That's important, who he's speaking to and the culture in which he is writing in. So he goes on to say in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Hey, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to, well, us this morning. You say, yeah, Mark, I'm I'm in church, so that makes me a Christian. No, that does not make you a Christian. But those of you that are following Christ this morning, you're leaning toward God within your life. That's exactly who he's speaking with today. It's important that we understand that. Those that have been taught, those that know the way of God is what he said. But then, this is the part that really got me in verse 8 when he says this after establishing who he's speaking to. And this helps us with culture for a moment. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human traditions According to the elemental spirits, and by the word spirits, write the two words principles or values. The elemental spirits, that principle and values of the world, and not according to Christ. So why does he say this to a group of Christians? Why is he talking like this to a group of Christ followers? Well, when you read this text, we realize that he's writing to the church in a city called Colossae. 
and Colossae, that Colossian church that he's writing to, what we understand about this, that the city of Colossae is your smorgasbord of gods. It really is. That in that city, there are so many temples, and it was a city so rooted in superstitious practices that it was kind of like, it was the great China buffet of gods is what it is, right? Yes, it's that buffet that you find on vacation where you go to that place where they have hundreds of things that you can eat all for $39.95 and you can just take your pick, right? Not to realize that they're just in the back opening cans and dumping that stuff in a trough for you. Isn't that correct? Yes. That's why sometimes I refer to that down the street as, which I love it if you work there, wonderful, the golden trough. Because it's like, yeah, it's where you can get anything you want. That's Colossae when it comes to gods. Man, find the God that you want. Find the God that kind of fits your life is what it is. Find the God that meets not the need but the want of your life. And then once you find that God, then what you're going to do is you're going to identify with that God. But Mark, he's writing this to Christians. I know he is. It's interesting, isn't it? So in Colossae, they have a God for prosperity. Oh, they have, of course, they always have a God for sex, right? Yes. So a God of fertility. Then they have a God for influence. They do. And they have a God for all kinds of things in life. They have, I, I read in research, they have this interesting God. And this, this, the name of this God is Colossina. It's a Roman God. It's the God of the sewer. The Godless of the sewer. Isn't that weird? Don't you think? Yes. I just think that's a bunch of, you know what, right? Don't you think so? Do you agree with me? Yes, it is. Yes. That who wants to worship the God of the sewer? I don't quite understand that. But he's writing this to Christians. Yes. And so that tradition to find that God in Colossae that you want, this sort of like build your own God kind of philosophy or theology that they have. And so you think, Mark, but what does that have to do with us? Because you're Christ's followers just like them. Or most of you are. Some of you are here just kicking the tires. Or you're sitting at home watching from church online. And you're kind of listening. Or you stumbled on us online this morning. And so why would, why would Paul speak to Christ's followers like that? Why? Because we don't have statues in our house. And, and you know, we, we don't have them in our rooms or our dorm rooms or our apartments. And, you know, and, and so why? And so none, many of the people in the Colossian church didn't either. It's their plural approach to God. It's this plural approach to God in, in that. And I think it's a powerful thought to kind of sit in for a moment. That they realize that they have to have God in their lives. But they also are thinking that they have to have God plus something else. It's our culture, isn't it? It is, it is squarely our culture that we live in today. It's, it's, what, it's how we function as people living in this world. That Yeah, I understand I have to have God. There's a parallelism here. But yet, I, I, this, is per, this plural approach to Christ and our relationship with him. So, I think it bears to ask a couple of questions this morning for us. One, where do we find our confidence and our identity? Oh, that's a big one, right? Where do we find our confidence and our identity in this life? Or maybe it's better to say it this way. Who am I and where do I fit in? Who am I and where, I, where do I fit in? 
You say, but Mark, that's a question that you should like be preaching to youth group or something, right? You shouldn't be preaching that to adults in here. We know who we are and where we fit in in life. Can I tell you that for many people in this very room, it's a lifelong search for you. You are searching in all types of areas. You understand that you need Christ in your life. We're not here to debate that, but it's like this life that you live where I need Christ, but there has to be something else within my life. If I just had this other thing within my life, then I would be complete. I would be absolutely complete if I just had something else in my life. Yes. Oh, have you ever prayed the prayer? Jesus, if you just gave me this woman in my life, then I would be complete, right? Could, should I have you raise your hands, right? Yeah, yeah. Where's a single guy in the room? Show me a single man. Look at that. You're scared to death, aren't you? Yes, I, I can tell, right? I, I, I'm looking at a whole row of single guys over here, right? Yes. Wait, wait. Come here. Yes, yes, yes. Dude, I love you guys, right? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, what's your name? Kirk. Oh, I know you, Kirk. Yeah, you're a drummer, dude. Yeah, Kirk. Like, wow. Kirk, have you ever prayed, God, if you would just give me this woman, that I would be complete? Don't answer. Oh, yes. He said yes. Is she here? No, man. What a moment, right? Jeez. Woo. Dude, that is honesty. I love it. That is so great. Yes. Dude, I have a license to do marriages. We could just hook that thing up now and be done with it, right? Wow, that is great. And so I think that, that here, here is a powerful thought that we live life like that, don't we? We, live, we have those moments where we say, God, you know, I know that you're in my life, but Lord, if you would just give me this, then this completes me. So here's my thought. So I have this little, this little illustration for you this morning. So we have our eternal life bucket, right? This is our eternal life bucket. And we all have one of these. We do. And, and for if we do it in context of what Paul is and who Paul is writing to, well, we know that we have Jesus already there. We just came through 27 weeks of the book of Romans. Man, you're excited. You're firm in your salvation today. You know that you are saved by grace through faith, not by works that you should boast, right? You know those kinds of things and nothing can separate you from the love of God. Boom, drop the mic. You have this down, right? Yes, you do. And so we know that you you have him there, right? He's there, yeah. Now, this came off Amazon, so understand it, right? Personally, I have two Jesuses. There's only one, okay? So don't, don't get any thoughts about this theologically. And, and I, I was, but this is the one I really liked, okay? And so, uh, yes, bobblehead, I know. So anyway, this is the one I like. But here's the thing. Dude, I have this down. I have this down in my eternal bucket. But then there's my daily life. Dude, then there's my daily life over here. This is my daily life bucket. And, and so what I realized, man, if I'm following Christ, um, which one? This one or bubble, bobblehead? Which one? Which? Bobblehead. Okay, there you go. I knew you guys were like, like, you know, like me. Okay, okay. Bobblehead, he's here. He's there. So I know he's there. But then the way I'm living my life is this. That what I realize is that, hey, I have Jesus here. But Lord, if you would just give me a few more things in my life, then I think I would really be fulfilled. And so I begin to think about some of these things, and I, I want to write a couple of them down. I'm going to throw them in our daily life book. And the first is this, 
God, if you just give me a promotion. You know, Lord, that's what I want, right? I've been working hard, and you know all those other people are lazy in my job. My boss is overlooking me. So I need a promotion. That's what I need. So, God, that's really going to make me fulfilled. And, and then, Lord, uh, Lord, you know that I, I need this. Uh, I just misspelled that, but anyway, because I'm writing it so fast. Uh, Kirk, how do you spell your name? K-I-R-K, is that right? Okay, so I need a relationship, and my name is Kirk, okay? Right? Yes. Yes, I love you, Kirk. This is awesome, bro. I am going to buy your lunch. See me afterwards, okay? Okay, this is Kirk, so I need a relationship. That's awesome. That's so much good. Hey, here's one that we need. Lord, if you would just give me, it starts with an M and ends with a Y. What would that be? Money, yeah. God, if you just give me a little more money, then, I, then I'm all good in life, right? And, and that's good. And then, and then like, here, here's, here's a big one, I think. Uh, I've been running out of room, so I'll just write it down there. And here's a big one. Like, you know, if, if she would just take me back or he would take me back or if I can reconcile this relationship in my life. So, Lord, if, if I could just reconcile with this person, then, then I'm going to be complete, Lord, and I'm going to be good to go in life, you know? And, and then and I'm, I'm, I'm running out of them, so hang on. And here's the other one. And, and, Lord, you know what I've done in life. And so if I could just erase part of my past, because, God, there's people that know me. They know what I've done. And so if I could just erase that, God, then I would be really good with, with things. And, and, Lord, I was sort of born with like a really bad deck of cards. And, and, and I just, if I had a better life. God, if I just had a better life, if I wasn't born the way I am in the environment that I've, I was raised in, maybe then my life would be, would be better. And, and then I think the last one's important. And the last one is, um, Lord, if you would just help me out by giving me more money, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. Yes, right? Yes. And God, that would really make me complete. And I think that that's the way, that's the way they lived in the Colossian church. You see, that's how they functioned. Because what we do in our life right now is we, I, I realize that, we find ourselves almost lost without those things. Those things, those things, if they leave us or they're taken from us, it's almost if we find ourselves in this state of just wandering through life, that, that we're lost. And Paul says, stop for a minute. He tells us to stop for just a moment. He said, don't let those values, don't let those principles of the world, don't let those things creep into your life because if they do, they take you captive. They take you captive because he says, wait a minute, you're much more internal as a spiritual being than you are external. Because this is about God being within us. This is about the reality that I belong to him. It's Christ within us. And my identity is built around him. For some of you, you are struggling with what I call a a confidence crash in your life. Maybe something has happened and the confidence that you had at one time in things has eroded from you. And so all of a sudden you're not confident in a relationship and you're not confident maybe in, in a class or you're not confident in a job or you're not confident in, in trying to achieve a goal in your life. And because what has happened is this 
for you. And it's happened in my life that when there's an erosion of confidence within my life, it's because I am saying, listen, I understand I need Jesus in my life and I want him in the everyday moments of my life, but I need Jesus plus something else. And can I tell you today, Christ is always enough. And that's what we have to hear. That Christ is always enough. You say, Mark, when you talk about gods and Paul talks about those gods in Colossae, then he's talking about idolatry. Are you calling us idolaters? And, and, and I love you. Yes, I do. But sometimes, yes, we are idolaters in our life as Christians that we are. What do you mean? Because being an idolater doesn't mean that you have rejected Jesus altogether. That's not what that means. What it means is this, that you just don't see Jesus as enough in your life. Wow. So does that mean I get rid of everything in my life? Good. I'm resigning my job tomorrow. I'm done, right? Yes. Yes. Semester's almost over. Go home to my parents. I'm going to tell them, hey, I'm not going back to school because Pastor Mark said, you know, I only need Jesus and nothing else. So that's good, you know. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to go back, move back in my bedroom and I'm going to be there till I'm 35 years old. And so, you know, just, you know, what are you making for dinner? And so the thing, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. And so is, is that it? You know, is that what you're saying, Mark? Do I, do I push my kids to the side? Do I stop working, you know, to have a relationship with them? Is that, no, that's not what I'm saying at all because I think sometimes we go to the extremes in our lives because we try to maybe justify at times and that's not what God is telling us at all. No, what he's saying is this, when those things become gods within our lives, when those things get out of that priority line and Christ is not enough within our lives and we are functioning on this process of theology, of Jesus plus something for our lives, then that is trouble for us. It's trouble. It is. And I've been there. Yes, and I will probably be there again at some point as this is part of our journey. It it, it really is. And so when I look at this, what I realize is that this this is not a sermon about you finding yourself. And I know you've heard that a lot, you know. And, and if you're a student or hey, you've been in high school or, or you've heard this, you know, you know, this is about finding yourself like we're some giant walking, talking onion that you have to peel back all the layers. And somewhere in there is Mark, right? You know, and I'm going to find him. And when I find Mark, I'm going to be good and I'm going to be wonderful. That's not what this is about. But this is about who I belong to. So who owns me? Uh, that's a huge question, is it? Mark, you could have stated that another way, like uh, I'm someone's possession. Now, who owns me? And that's important for me to understand that. It's, it's verse 9 of chapter 2. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The deity of Christ, it's there simply not to, not to debate whether he's God or not, but it's how you and I see him. Because how we see ourselves and us understanding who we belong to starts with how we see God. yes. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said that simply that how we understand and see God has all bearing upon who we are in Christ. So it's important that we see that. And so he goes on to say, and you having being filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority, that is Christ because who he is defines who we are. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. This is about our hearts and not about surgery put together. by, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And I know that's a tough verse, verse 11. 
Because it has the C word in it three times, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, one time would have been fine. I have to say it three times to you. Yes, it does. But let me fill in the blanks. Because in the Old Testament, God chose this outward sign to identify his people. He did. He said that this surgery would say that you are mine. It was an, it was an external identification for an internal transformation within their lives. And so that's what this was about. And so when I take that and I say, well, how does this apply to me? Then what I realize is this, that that procedure takes place in my heart and your heart, whether male or female. That procedure takes place in all of our hearts because it was a circumcision made without hands, Paul says. So what that means is this, it is that redemptive work of Christ in my life. And more than that, it's a work that I had no part of because he chose me. Because I couldn't even love him in the sinful state that I was in. I couldn't even do that. That was beyond my capability in my sinful state. So I couldn't even love God. It's In fact, even that me drawing close to God and, and coming to that moment of redemption in my life was a very gift of grace itself. Why? Because I have to understand that he chose me, I didn't choose him, and because of that, that makes me his, and because I didn't choose him, it gives me a firm foundation in the world that's constantly going to move under my feet. That's it. Oh, I I love what Paul is teaching us here, that I'm his child, and it's not by external identity anymore it's not no it's not about how i look it's not about my haircut you know it's not by those kinds of things but it's simply by my heart and i understand that and so i lay that groundwork to say that i didn't deserve any of this and i didn't earn it and i didn't love god first but he loved me first and he chose me so that gives me great confidence to stand up before you today and say to you i am a child of god because it was his idea from the beginning it was his idea by his presence that is inside of me today yes that i am his child and knowing that i didn't make that decision and i am his child oh gives me an understanding to guard my heart and my mind from all of those values of the world that try to creep into me and try to take my heart and my mind captive because I'm not standing against that on my own, but I'm standing against that through the power of God that is within me because I am his child and I am his, and he is enough. He's enough. So, when life happens, and can I tell you, life will happen, right? Didn't you know that? Life will happen because we're living in a broken world. When life happens, and, and when I, you know, and when I don't get more money, right? You know, even though, boy, I've, I've wasted a lot of money on lottery tickets, but it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, and I think sometimes the better way to that is to, to trust God and get a job. And so, you know, that's just kind of my opinion on that, right? And, and the other thing to do is, is that, wow, uh, you know, I may not have a life that I want, really. I may not. It may be very different than what I have dreamed about. And I may not have that. And so my past is my past. My past is my past. God has forgotten my sins, but other people don't. 
They don't. So uh, when that doesn't happen in my life and that reconciliation, that reconciliation, you know, kind of thing of, hey, we didn't get back together or I didn't, I, I don't have, I'm not in this relationship any, any longer. And, and, and then, Kirk, sorry, bro. But uh, the thing is about, you know, that, uh, yeah, maybe you don't get the girl kind of deal. And I'm, I'm not a prophet, okay? So don't even take that as anything beyond that, all right? So it's not, so you're all good, man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she'd be crazy not to take you. And the whole thing is that, right? And then promotion. Yeah, promotion. I didn't get that at work. So, uh, there goes the money, right? Yeah, I didn't get that either. So, Mark, this is a real bummer now, right? I mean, we were kind of we were kind of on a roll for a moment. Now you kind of hit this spot for a moment. Life's a spot sometimes, right? That's the truth. That's the truth. And what I realize is this. That when I have Christ in my life and he's enough. And I'm not saying that, that I pray that you have to live that out necessarily as to losing all these things. But I pray that you begin to live like Christ is enough. But when I live like Christ is enough in my life. That when I don't get those things or lose those things or life happens to me. My foundation is still firm. Do you see that? It's still absolutely firm in him. Because it's not on me. But it's on him because he chose me. He chose me. Verse 12 says, having been buried with him in baptism in which we were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Who raised him from the dead. That being reconciled from God means that God is enough regardless of any circumstances of my life. That thought of being buried with Christ and raised with him. That those two truths about Christ is resident in my life now by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not just surviving. That God, I believe, didn't create us just to survive. Just to get up and kind of suck air every day and make it through another day. He created us to live. Because we are buried with him and we rose with him. So we have life. And so I'm not saying that you won't be disappointed in life. I'm not saying that you're not going to cry. I'm not saying you're not going to weep and you're not going to be heartbroken. I'm not saying those things because I've been there. But what I'm saying to you about this is today. That you have a firm foundation. So that that does not have to destroy your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. We've all had a moment in our life when things didn't work out the way we wanted to work out. And we felt like, how do we go on? What do we do? Where do we go from here? It seems like there's no other direction for my life. And what God says, hey, I'm more than enough in your life. I am more than enough. Live like you're alive. Live like you're alive. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Paul says that let's refresh your mind about something that you already know, but you need to hear it again, and it's the gospel. And that is that 
You were dead in your trespasses. And God through Christ has brought you life, is what he said. So you are alive together in him. So for you to trust him, for you to trust him in your life today with everything that makes up who you are. You see, it's always been God's idea from the beginning to give you life. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not. Here's Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, right? They're in the garden. It's a perfect world, perfect relationship. Everything is perfect. Yes. And then God says, okay, here's one thing you cannot do, right? What? You can't eat from that tree. Because if you eat from the tree, you're going to surely die. So what does our way back, 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 you know, relatives do, Adam and Eve? What do they do? What do they do? They eat, right? But here is the point. They don't die. God doesn't come down and kill them right then. He doesn't. So you think, well, if, you know, if I was God, I mean, only, we're only a little while into this whole thing, right? I'd kill them and start all over. No, God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. For, because at that first inception of sin, we have that first moment of mercy. Because it's always been God's idea to give you life. Realize that. He's never been a God that simply wants to, to have you live without living like you're living. And I know that's a weird statement, but it's absolutely true that he gave mercy to them. What this text I just read says this, that he canceled our debt is what he did. He canceled that record of debt for you and I. He canceled the debt that you and I owed. He nailed it to the cross. Verses 13 and 14 says that to us today. He nailed those things to the cross for you and I. So when I look at that, what I realize is that my record of debt has been canceled. It's not like you paid off your mortgage early. It's not, right? It's not like you've done enough good things to cancel out all the bad things you did in life. That's not what Paul is teaching us. What it's more like is you go home, and if you have a mortgage, and if you don't, you probably will at some point... And you call it your house, but it really belongs to the bank that just lets you live there, right? That's the way it works. And, and so you go home, you open the mailbox, and there's a letter from your mortgage lender. You open it, and it says you have been pay- your mortgage is paid in full. After you get up from the ground from being unconscious for a while, right? You begin to rejoice in your front yard. You do. But here is the kicker. You've never made any payments on your mortgage. No. You bought this house by faith. Just believing God's going to make the payments. That's not faith. That's stupidity, right? Try it. It doesn't work. Somebody else is going to be living in your house is what's going to happen, right? No. And so what, what you haven't made any payments. You have foreclosure notices served on you. And all of a sudden it's paid. That is what Christ did for us. It's, a, it's called effectual grace. It is a grace that is simply targeted toward you and I. Why? Because God loves us and he is enough. But he doesn't stop there. Look what he says in verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him is what it says. It is not just about the Romans at this point for the Colossian church. No, it's about It's about these spiritual realities and forces. Here's the thing. God did not leave us powerless. Aren't you glad? That God didn't leave you powerless. Dude, you're not, you're not like, you know, 
just like a punching bag for the enemy in your life. You're not. He didn't leave us powerless. And I think the way many of us look at this text is this. You can be the person that you simply say that everything that goes wrong in life is demonic. And I want to tell you that not every time that you get a, a flat tire in your car or you've locked your keys out of your, in your car or whatever, you're just forgetful, I guess. That's not a demon doing that. Just because you had a bad hair day doesn't mean that that is demonic, right? Yes, you have, you have a cosmetologist for that. Go get that junk cut, right? I mean, that's really what you should do. Yes. No. So not everything in my life, because this is a broken world. But I think the other danger that we have is simply for those of you in this room who might pretend that this doesn't exist. No, and you never give it a thought that the enemy... Satan has come to kill, steal, and to destroy you. Understand that. The devil himself is like a roaring lion. He roams around sinking whom he may devour to tear apart with teeth is what it simply says. You never contemplate that there are dark forces at work around you today. And I believe there are moments through that of grievous sins and repeated sins that we can invite demonic influences into our own lives. I think that is absolutely true. And I also think there are things that happen in our lives that we didn't invite into. It's just simply our battle with the enemy. What I realize is this. When I read this text, I connect the dots. That all authority has been given to Christ. Yes. And we are in Jesus. Jesus is within us. So that authority, at some level, has been imparted to you and I. Think about that. Wow. That's amazing. That that authority has been imparted to you and I. Why? Because he's enough. That's it. He's enough. Listen, growing up, And I'm about to read Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So that is Hannah's cue to come out. Because if she doesn't come out, I just keep talking. I really do, right? I mean, that that, that triggers something in my brain. And somebody's saying, oh God, let Hannah come out now. When when we were raising our boys and they were little guys. And and we would put them to sleep at night. That Reba and I would pray over them. We would quote scripture over them. We would sing over them. Because we realized that there was an enemy out there that desired them as much as I desired to keep them away from that enemy. And so what I realized that I was doing really battle in those forces that wanted the lives of my sons. Never close your eyes to the darkness of of this world. But what I realize is that God, through Jesus and Him in us, has given us that authority and has been imparted to us that we do not have to just stand by idly and take everything from the enemy. We don't. Because He's enough. Verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you 
And questions of food and drink are with regard to festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. He says these are shadows or these are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting asceticism. Asceticism is that worship or form of worship where there's no pleasure in life. And can I tell you, that's not what God has said to you. That's not what is being taught to you this morning. That there is an absolute place for you to enjoy the world that God has created for you. He says in worship of angels and going on in detail about visions and puffed up with reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. And so all of those words in those verses, I could sum up, I think, with four words. And it simply says this, that this is not about external lists for us. It's not. But it's always been about our hearts from that moment when God had all right and authority to destroy Adam and Eve. Yes, death overshadowed us because of that sin. Corinthians says, but that death has lost its sting because of our risen Savior. But it's always been God's heart to show mercy to us. It's not about a list that we do. It's not. And when I read these verses 16 through 19, what I realized is this, that I can even sometimes find my identity in the things that, that I do for God. I could find my identity in being a preacher or a teacher. I could find that or a pastor. You could find your identity in the things that you're doing for God. And that becomes who you are. And what I realize is that if you are following Christ and your identity is, identity is found in just what you do for God, then what that creates within you is this very dry and this very crusty religion. Yeah, it does. Have you ever met a grumpy Christian? Have you? Raise your hand if you've ever met a grumpy Christian. Raise your hand. Okay. If they're sitting next to you, don't look at them right now. Okay. If you're married to them, give them a real hard elbow in the ribs for a moment. Okay. It's the Holy Spirit using you that way. Grumpy Christians are a product of people who define themselves by what they do for God. Because you begin to transition, see as Paul taught us, to be careful of this, guard your heart and your mind from this, that we begin to transition from that of Jesus is enough to Jesus plus something else in my life. And when you do that, you begin to function outside of how God has designed you to function. And that never works right. So, you have him in your eternal bucket. You have him in your daily bucket. But I think the question is for us this morning, what else do we have over here? What else is there? And for a moment before we leave, as we have emptied that bucket other than bobblehead Jesus who's still in there, that you could... Just for a moment, push 
those things aside and just rest in his presence? When is the last time you've done that? You struggle with a lot of things. You have these things on your mind. When is the last time you've done that? It's sort of like, it's sort of like I've had these moments in driving down the road and I feel like that, I always say this, and I, that it's like the devil's in the back seat, you know, kind of deal. And so my mind begins to wonder, and my mind begins to worry and have fear over things that should not have worry and fear over. Or all of a sudden you had this moment of just, you, be, you feel depressed all of a sudden. And you know, do you know what? I've, I've, I have literally done this. That I've pulled over on the side of the road. I've reached over and opened the other door on the passenger side, and I told him, get out, get out. If you see me sitting on the side of the road somewhere and the passenger side door is open and I'm sitting there, you know I'm throwing him out, okay? Here's the thought. Don't stop and pick him up. No, don't, right? For a moment, to sit in his presence without all those things and to realize that he's enough for you, that you are his, not because You chose him because you were so blinded by your sin that you couldn't see that. But he chose you. And so when life happens and those things begin to be subtracted at times, you have a firm foundation. So would you bow your heads for a moment to just cut out all the distractions around us? Closing your eyes. And we just sit here in his presence. Mark, I don't do this often, I know. And that's a problem in your life. You're always busy. Your mind is always in gear Concerning all those other things. So take a moment to sit. In fact, as we're sitting here, I just want you to be still for a moment. Everybody behind me, be still for a moment. Just be still. Stop what you're doing. And in this moment, let God speak to your heart. That you are His. And nothing can change that. And nothing can pluck you from His hands. And nothing can ever cause him to feel any different toward you than he does right now that he absolutely loves you with a love that's indescribable so if things are subtracted from you 
it does not affect your foundation. So, Father, speak to us today. In the moments of silence, your voice can be resounding within us that you are enough in our life. Today, Father, let that be established in all of our lives. that you are enough. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us in this moment. We praise you, for within us is the authority to overcome powers of darkness because it's you that is within us. It's who we are, Lord. We are yours. Nothing can ever change that. Thank you, Father.